0: Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here, because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Grigas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker All the Games. This is episode 43, where we will discuss Anaconda. I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the northeast of the United States, along with co-host Martin, who joins us from Malta. Martin and I have a few things in common. We enjoy mixed poker games. Each of us has written a book on mixed game poker, and we also enjoy trying new beers. So you'll be hearing something about all of these topics in each episode. We'll begin by starting today's show as we do with each episode with Martin and I reviewing a beer. So sit back, grab a drink as long as you're not driving, and enjoy our beer review and subsequent discussion of mixed poker games. I am pouring an Oaked Vanilla Porter, shortened to OVP. From Samuel Adams brewery, let's have a smell o v p has a strong vanilla aroma It smells sweet. I'm getting uh some oak some of that oaky smell, so I'm getting both the uh vanilla vanilla very up front um and the oak comes in right behind it, so it kind of kind of fits the bill for the oaky vanilla uh, name. Let's have a look. This beer pours a clear, dark brown with about one or two fingers of beer foam with a khaki color. And now for the best part, let's have a taste. Oh, the vanilla is very in-your-face, I would say. It... Tastes like a vanilla extract and a sweetened extract at that from the flavor. The oak seems to mostly get lost in the sweetness of the beer. Despite that, overall, I do like the way this tastes. There is a little bit of bitterness in there, a little bit of hop bitterness. Uh, It has a light medium body, which makes it easy to drink, but it could use more body to make it a true porter, which generally have like a medium to medium full body. So this is a a bit on the lighter side, and it has uh, medium carbonation. Sam Adams' OVP, Oak Vanilla Porter, comes in at 5.8% and is an easy drinking flavored porter. Martin, which beer are you bringing us from Europe today?
1: Well, this looks like an interesting one. This is called Abbe de Vauclair. It's from northern France. It's an imperial beer blonde in a very dark bottle. Uh, completely, in, on a, you can, can't can't see anything through the bottle, and it's with a and it's strange and interesting champagne-style top to it with a cork. So let's get into it, and that's just easier said than done. <laughs>
0: yes the corks oh, yeah. are uh, sometimes not so easy to uh, to pop off ah,
1: that's better <laughs> okay now let's let's pour it okay it's a very uh, very clear look to it <laughs> um sort of orangey yellow in colour a uh, little bit busy with carbonation not too heavy and a foamy white head smelling it it smells fruity. I think a bit orangey. Okay, let's have a taste. Mm, this is a little bit spicy and sweet. Yeah, that's a very uh, that goes down really well. Yeah, uh, did I mention it's seven point five percent ABV? So reasonably strong. Um, the the bottle is actually quite interesting. It's um, it's the size of a bottle of wine. It's seventy. 75 cl so this is going to perhaps uh have an effect on me by the time we finish recording sean we'll see how we go cheers
0: salute martin so the sort of abbey beers um you said it was a, a little spicy right
1: just a little yeah
0: yeah like the the belgian it's you know Likely like a Belgian blonde, um, and so the imperial you mentioned imperial, and what that really means is there's a more alcohol than usual. So like a blonde okay. ale is usually a very light, a light alcohol, light drinking beer, and then so the imperial means it's you know it's kicked up a couple a notch or two, similar to like a, a double double like a double double shot think of or you know a double IPA with more hops and more alcohol, and then yeah like I said the the spice is likely coming from the yeast i am not familiar with this beer but the spice is likely coming from probably like a belgian yeast hence the uh, Abbe name
1: but okay yeah, it sounds wonderful this
0: 7 yeah you said 75 cl so 750 ml bottle um is 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 quite large at, especially at 7.5% <laughs> yes.
1: yeah yeah but it's it's going down well let's let's see how we go <laughs> <All
0: right. laughs> enjoy thank you Remember that our focus here is non-Hold'em poker, specifically for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games and or those looking to try different variations of poker. Whether you're a dealer, player, or card room manager, we define the rules, the play, and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. Today's episode will be covering Anaconda, I'm actually not very familiar with this game, but we will have Martin walk us through the play, deal, and rules, and I will learn as well as you. I will learn along with all of you the play, deal, and rules of Anaconda. Martin?
1: Okay, Anaconda is uh, kind of a version of seven-card stud, high low, and the biggest difference is that there are no open cards. That's not the only difference, as you will see. Um, Before I go on, I did a web search earlier today and this version that we play here in our home games in Malta does seem to be quite well known, but there's also another version which is high only and that's not a version I'm going to cover. That that other version has seven rounds of betting and I think can be quite slow by the looks of it, even though it looks like a quite a fun game. Uh, we'll stick with this game. To start the game off... The two people to the left of the dealer button place a blind. Now, we would, I would suggest only playing this as a fixed limit game. It's a real fun game, suitable for home games, and uh, I think any any bigger, big any big bet game applied to this would be uh, would kind of spoil it a little bit. It, it, it's uh, an emphasis on fun more than trying to uh, earn a living playing this poker game. So once the blinds have been posted, the dealer will now pitch seven cards straight away, one one to each player, sorry, one at a time to each player until seven cards have been dealt in total, all of them face down. So already you have seven cards, unlike the normal seven-card stud games, which start with three. And once everyone has cards face down, there's a round of betting, starting with the person to the left of the big blind. When that round of betting is over, the players that are still in the hand each pick three cards out of their hand and pass them to the person on their left. So once everyone's decided which three cards they're going to discard, uh, they can also they can um, then put, put them to the side and pick up the three that have been placed to for them to pick up. So you you've got or now seven card hand, which comprises four of your original seven cards and three that have been given to you by the person on your right. After that process, there's a second round of betting. This starts with the person to the left of the dealer button. When that round of betting is over... Oh, and by the way, those first two betting rounds, as I said, we're playing fixed limit, are all at the small betting, betting limit size. Um, after that second betting round... Remove two cards from our hand and place the and pass those to the person on our immediate left who is still in the hand. After that process is done, everyone has their new hands, which comprise five of the cards they already had and the two that have been given by the person on their right. There's a third betting round at the bigger betting size, followed by a final passing of cards. This time, only one card from your hand goes to the person on and you receive one from the person on your right. There's a final betting round at that same bigger betting size, followed by a showdown. And (laughs) the showdown rules are exactly the same as seven cards stood high, low, eight or better. So you turn your cards over, you pick out the five cards that you have in your hand that comprise the best high hand, and half of the pot will go to the person with the best high hand. And as it stood high, low, eight or better, if somebody has a qualifying low hand, which is five cards, eight or lower that are unpaired, then the person with the best of those low hands will take the other half of the pot for, for the, for the low hand. Uh, that's a quick rundown of the play and the rules. Any questions at this point, Sean?
0: It's quite interesting. So this is, you know, different from a lot of, right. A lot of the other games um, that we discussed because it's a, sort of a, I guess you could call it a passing game, right? We have flop games, draw games, stud games, and passing games now <laughs> where you pass cards. Yeah. Um, so, and then it's important to remember you're passing um, to the left and less and less. So not really any questions on the play. It's actually pretty straightforward, sort of the rules, but I have a feeling um, this passing the cards uh there's going to be a bit more involved, like the strategy um, is something that we're going to have to think about differently than most of us are probably used to, because obviously right in draw games, you're getting rid of cards, but your neighbor isn't getting them. So now your neighbor is getting them, which could potentially, you know, help your neighbor unknowingly.
1: Yeah, indeed. That is, that is one of the key strategy points, actually.
0: Yeah. So let's, uh, let's go straight into some tips. (laughs) uh, If you're ready for that.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll go into that very very shortly. First of all, just a shout out to um, a user a, f- a follower David who has given us given some nice feedback on my Substack. Um, he's particularly enjoying the strategy se- segments by the sounds of it. So um, shout out to David. Hope you enjoy this one. I Hope you place Anaconda in your home games and. Let's see what strategy tips I can give you for this game. First of all, Mm -hmm. don't be the mug who sets up the person on your left with a hand that beats you. So, as you've just touched on, Sean, you you must remember what you've passed to the person on your left. For example, if if you're looking for a flush king high and you're passing in spades and you're passing... It hearts the person on your left. You can make your hand and lose to the other person. That's not a good idea. I mean, that that, that can happen if if you're not careful because you might start with four spades, two hearts and another suit, and then you pass the, the, the three cards that are not spades to your left. And then forget that you've done that and keep passing hearts that are passed to you on the subsequent rounds of passing. And then you end up showing down the hand that loses. Person that you've set up to beat you, so um, remember what you've passed to your left, and make sure you don't pass things, pass cards to that person that are going to help them to beat you. Um, The next tip is to be careful with, particularly on the high side, the strength of your hand, because I've probably played sixty or seventy hands of Anaconda, and I don't remember a hand winning winning the highest weaker than a kink high weaker than a king high flush and to be honest that's happened once as far as i can remember my recollection might not be 100% accurate you know i might have had some beers when i played this game i might not have paid too much attention to hands that have folded and seen what have been shown down but nevertheless i have seen some very big hands beaten in this game um for example in a home game recently my king's full third best to quad nines and the royal flush. Yes, the person with the royal flush had the king that I didn't have in their hand. So um, wow, <laughs> that's.
0: <laughs> I mean, just you just hearing that, Martin, is, is it's almost unbelievable.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, to be fair, I think that's probably uh, an extreme example. It's a small sample size, and uh, maybe. Uh, Maybe, maybe that I, I do think that maybe that's not going to happen too often. But nevertheless, uh, don't. It's good be too to keep that happy. in mind for sure. Yeah, exactly. Don't be ha- too happy to cap your cap the betting on the latest streets when you've made your ace high flush because you might be looking at hands that have you completely crushed. Now, for our last uh, sort of strategy idea, I'm going to give you a question, Sean. I'm going to give you a scenario, and I want you to t- tell me you would how you would make your decision. And the decision point is going to be when it's time to pass one card to the person on your left. But I'm going to start the description of the situation with a talk about the players that are in the hand when you're passing two cards to your left. So you're in seat six. Seat two is somebody who's never played this game before. And you've played probably 20 hands during the night with this group of people. And that person in seat two will call him Patrick. Patrick's showed down a few hands that have won the low when he's called down all the way against two or more people that are fighting over high. The low hands he's showed down have never been the nuts. They've all been decent but not nutted low hands. The person on your right in seat five will call him Sven. He lost three hands, three with three three big hands very early on. Two of them he lost to you. Svens' losing hands have been aces full twice and kings full once. And after the third one, the third of those, uh, having lost to your straight flush and quads, and somebody else's big hand in another, in another on another occasion, he said, "I'm not going to play any more hands of this game." But nevertheless, he's in this hand. You're you're sitting there, and then on, in seat six and in seat seven, there's a very solid player who's only showing down in all the games. It's a mixed games. It's a super dealer's choice cash game. In all the games, he's only showed down solid hands when he's got to the showdown. So, um, right through this hand, Sven, the person doesn't want to. Playing anymore is driving the betting. So after passing three cards, he's betting. After passing two cards, he's betting. And after he's passed two cards to you, you've ended up with ace two, three, four, four, five, six. So he's betting to you. You've raised the person on your left in seat seven, he's folded, which reflects well on you. That means that you've not passed him cards that um, have completed a hand. You've uh, been careful. To pass him a hand that beats you. So, so, so you've not been a mug on this occasion. Seat two, Patrick. He calls. Sven now races again, and the betting is capped at four betting, four bets in this game. You kept the betting. Sure enough, Patrick and Sven both call. It's time to pass one card now. Bearing in mind what I've told you about both Patrick and Sven. You have ace two three four four five six. Which card are you going to pass to Patrick, and why?
0: Thinking through this, uh, let's try to talk through this a little bit. Um, it, you, you did hear me say in the beginning, Martin, that that I haven't played this game, and now you're, <laughs> you're coming at me with, <laughs> with this yeah, involved that, scenario. so I,
1: I accept. I'm putting you uh, putting you uh, in a bit of a spot. You know yeah, yeah. You, might That's see, right. you might find yourself sitting down playing this game for the first time ever, and you might have a situation like this to think through. So um, yes, so
0: uh, yeah, I'll walk myself through it here and uh, sort of you know, and obviously tell you what I would do, and then we'll uh yield to you uh for uh, for a more experienced response. All right, so you mentioned that Patrick, so Sven is pushing the betting hard. Patrick is, is coming along and you mentioned from past experience um, during this game, Patrick, when, when he's exhibiting this behavior, he's showing down a, a low, a winning low. So it's likely, so we'll assume that Patrick still had, that he is um, going for the low on this. Um, and we have uh, ace two, three, four, five as part of our hand. So we, we do have a nut low. Um, so we're we're not concerned about that, um, except to have to split that side of the pot. Yeah, Sven, so Sven has been. And if you need to stop me or interrupt me, um, if I misinterpreted anything uh, here while I'm going through, feel free. Sven has lost some big hands uh, to us, and they and they've been big, aces full and kings full. Um, and you, I mean, you mentioned in the strategy earlier that you know those hands do get beat. Um and, and you've given us an example here where they do, you know, you, you need to be going to the end with, with some very large um hold them hands, you know, some hands to uh to win that pot. So we do have a straight, but it's a it's a very low straight, and we've been getting those low cards from yeah. Sven.
1: Yes, yeah, Sven's been passing his low cards. That's a key point. I,
0: I and that's really I think the thing that's got me in a little bit of a you know, I'm not sure what to do. So obviously, we're keeping the ace for for a couple of reasons. I, you haven't sort of given the suits of our cards, so I don't yeah. know if we. I have did mean any to mention that.
1: That's a, flush a very or good anything. point. There is no shot at a flush. You have no more than three cards of any one suit, and you're only going to receive one more card. So it's not possible to receive to to improve your high hand to a flush in any way. So the, the suits are completely irrelevant here. Two, three, four, four, five, six is your holding. Yeah.
0: Right, ace two three four four five six, correct? Yes, yes. Okay,
1: so we have the nut low,
0: we have a low straight, um, and and honestly, I, I just don't see. I'm not sure. I see much of a reason to hang on the four. So Patrick, I see. Okay, so I So my 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 in, my first instinct is get rid of the duplicates four because i mean if we get if we say we hang on to the four and get rid of i don't know the six because that's we still have a straight and a six high versus a five high straight i don't think is going to make any deal we're either going to win or not it's either going to be good and unlikely to be good um based on what you've told us about strategy but the most we could potentially get is three of a kind because we have no other duplicate so if we get one card and it happens to be another four from Sven, then, you know, three of a kind is, we still, we have a, we have a straight, so that
1: I don't see, Um,
0: but I I do. And and I'm not sure how much I worry about passing the four to Patrick, except he has a lot of low cards and potentially that could give him a bigger high hand, the four. And that would be my only concern that he's been showing down good lows all the time. Um, which may or may not mean he has, you know, the the four could potentially help him. But, but I think uh, uh, on my limited knowledge, um, I I don't see any other reason not to pass the four. My second guess would be the six, but uh, that's about Mm -hmm. the best I could do. Uh, Martin, why don't you uh, go through it with us and, uh, and and tell us what we really should do.
1: Well, in my opinion, There's no way you're going to win the high with a six-high straight or a five-high straight, which, as you pointed out, are identically... Identical, sorry. Uh, Because Sven, there's no way he has worse than King's full when he's been so happy to put so many bets in. So, we can forget about the high. We have the nut low, ace, three, four, five anyway. But what's Patrick sitting there with? If he's sitting there with five... Sorry, with four or five low cards, if we give him the four... There is just that slight chance that it gives him the low it's that we the full have. House, right? Well, no, it's just the low that I'm concerned about. What I'm concerned no. about is being quartered.
0: Oh, he doesn't have the low yet. He's still waiting for that card. Or he could
1: have a low that, he, that he's happy to call down with.
0: Not as but ice. he
1: doesn't beat us. But if that low includes H235, and we give him one of our fours, then we end up with a quarter of a point instead of a half. So I'm, I'm giving yes. him the six. Yes. And passing him the six. It might even been calling down with a seven low or an eight low. It might even encourage him to keep putting bets in if he's if he's now improved to a six low. But it is a low that doesn't take any part of the pot because we have the nuts on the, in that half.
0: Yep. And that was my mistake. I was I, I made a, a an actual very poor assumption. I was just assuming patrick had the nut low but there, there's no you know that that's actually a very poor assumption you know he could still have a very good very good low that isn't nut because it is hard to make yeah. the nut low but uh, and he would likely stay in so all right so so yeah no i i do agree with that um i yeah I, it was a little yeah, bit yeah.
1: flawed but like sorry i said i you, see <laughs> sorry to put you in such a spot without any no um... no it's
0: It's a good one. It's a tough
1: one. uh, And I did
0: say the six. Yeah, I did say the six second. And and I was like, because that doesn't like I said, it it doesn't hurt, really doesn't hurt you anymore. It's likely the straight, you know, is not going to win anyway, but uh, but it's not going to hurt to pass the six because, you know, and it would hurt more basically to pass the four. So I like that scenario. Very detailed. And uh, quite a bit of thought um, went into that one.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, we've kept the betting again on on the uh, last round of betting and uh, Sven showed his quad Kings. I showed down my wheel and Patrick showed a disgruntled face and didn't show his go. I don't know what his holding was, but I'm pretty convinced that he was holding a low that uh, was second best. All right.
0: Yeah. And, and likely, you know, had the four been passed, likely, you know, he would have, you know, likely tied you probably. For the there's at least
1: a possibility of that yeah yep. yeah
0: you have another scenario uh
1: no no i've uh, i've tortured you enough now thanks sean okay <laughs> thanks all right <laughs>
0: appreciate it no it was, it was it was good it's like i said I'm, I'm not familiar with this game and the and the passing games you know i played some games where you pass cards and you know drunken home games but uh it's actually been quite some time and uh the passing games do as i mentioned uh early on in the podcast uh, provide us with another opportunity, you know, some, some more stuff to think about for sure. And so I, I hope that, yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed that. I, I certainly did. It, it's nice to sort of hear some details of a hand and hear uh, you and I talk through them, especially ones that you played, Martin, and you can kind of, you can give us an actual outcome rather than just a, a made-up yeah. outcome.
1: I felt that was an interesting spot, and I was really pleased that I didn't um, take the kind of uh, quick, Thoughtless, you know. Okay, I've got a six-high straight that beats the five-high. I can keep both, and maybe, maybe uh, you know, there's a possibility you're thinking you're yourself up against another 5 high straight, and you'll get three quarters because you win the high. But no, based on the history of both the players, and uh, really, this is not. I guess this is exploitative poker, hundred percent, rather than anything GTO. But the person Sven is definitely playing high because he's passing me low cards. Uh, and he's very strong high so a straight's not going to be good enough and Patrick is as I say as I said at the beginning he's very happy to call down all the way with a qualifying low that's not nuts but which you'll often expect to uh, take off the pot with yeah I was happy with how that hand went for sure
0: yeah, I think that's good. It, it required some thought. And I think especially for folks who are listening to this that, you know, haven't played Anaconda at all or much at all, I think it, it's an actually a really good spot and I could see it coming up somewhat frequently. And a lot of folks might have the first, the inclination that I had um, about the duplicate four, but in, in all honesty, after hearing the explanation, it, it makes complete sense to not pass the four because it's it's certainly not going to help you keeping it because of the the yeah. observations you've made and that's you know why we say in in any card game right the paying attention is huge you see a lot of folks on their phones are doing other things in the middle mm-hmm. of hands and actually that in and of itself is an important observation and all of a sudden they start paying attention they they perk up um you know they've got it they've got something yes
1: indeed yes yes
0: thanks for that uh, Martin.
1: All right, let's
0: uh, talk about a little news here. Not so much that's, – that's a little mixed game put in here, but uh, just a couple of general things going on. Recently – well, this has been going on for a while. They've been trying to ban smoking in New Jersey casinos, and it failed again somewhat recently. And, uh, you know, a lot of the dealers – the, the employees are looking for smoking to be banned because, you know, they're around it all the time and we ban smoking pretty much everywhere else indoors. know, <laughs> yeah. And so it's just kind of mm-hmm. silly, but unfortunately it failed again. Um, fortunate for us, right. Poker rooms are mostly in their own space. They have their own room generally and are non-smoking rooms. But part of the problem comes in quite a few casinos. There's a smoking section, <laughs> usually immediately adjacent to the non-smoking poker room, which, which I find kind of ridiculous. Um, and, and not all the times do they have doors in front of the rooms. I've been in actually a room, a casino with the smoking right outside the poker room and they had doors and there was still quite a bit of smoke in the room because the poker room smokers are going literally right out the door and people are coming in and out the door and they're immediately outside where it opens and closes and the smoke comes in. And, you know, this might sound like it's anti-smoking. It's not, I don't care. It's just, it's, it is bothersome to me. And I would actually, I would personally spend more, much more time in my local live casino. If it wasn't, if the poker room wasn't full of smoke, um, even though it is in its own room, it really just bothers me. Um, and mostly because if I'm, if I want to go somewhere after, I'm playing cards. I I just, I feel like I have to come home and change. And so I just won't go play cards, even if I'm meeting friends or or say going to dinner or something in that part of town. I just, and I would go to the casino before I met them. I just won't go to the casino because I I don't want to feel like I want to change. So it's just, I know I'm going on about this, but it's just, it's a bad, I I just find it. There's no reason to not ban it. Casinos want to say they're going to lose revenue. Um, and I I don't believe that at all. I think data shows otherwise. Um, one other thing quickly, so uh, I just want to give a shout out to Eric Seidel, who um, I know it was back in December, but he won his tenth WSOP bra- bracelet. So he's in some very exclusive company, including Doyle Brunson with those ten. And thirty percent of Eric's uh, bracelets are in mixed games with two coming in uh, no, no limit deuce to seven low ball. So if you want to stay away from, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Eric, uh, you know, Seidel <laughs> don't play deuce to seven low ball with him. Um, if you're not complete, if you're not experienced in that game. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and uh, I'm trying to think what his, oh what's his other bracelet. It's a, oh Oh, Oh eight Omaha eight or better. So two in no limit deuce to seven and one in a So just, Shout-out to Eric. You know, I, I like to hear about people who are uh, bracelet winners that play mixed games as well and don't just uh, have all their bracelets in. They'll no let them hold them. I find that being well-rounded is uh, certainly much more impressive to me. So shout-out to Eric. you have anything uh, as far as mixed-game news uh, on your side of the world, Martin?
1: Well, on the last uh, episode, we talked about the cash game at Porto Masso Casino that was due to start on the uh... – on January the uh, 11th or something. It didn't start then because um, the casino weren't quite ready with the required number of dealers that were fully trained. But it will start on the 15th of February, with the game being a weekly game, as long as we get the players. And I'm quite confident we will. So I'm looking forward to that starting. That's going to be a great opportunity to get involved in mixed games. And uh, most weeks in the month... The stakes are going to be very low, so for newcomers and people that have dabbled a little bit in mixed games, it's a great opportunity to try without gambling your shirt or the house. Last week in the month, the stakes will be roughly double, and the number of games will be fewer, so there's less to learn, and that's probably going to attract some quite quite good poker players, but... uh that should also be a lot of fun. So, go to that starting, but uh, I was hoping it started by now, but it, but it hasn't. But, but it's all positive. Like I said, the casino is getting properly ready with uh, the staff being trained, ready to deal all the games, all the crazy games, although they're not too crazy. We're structuring this to offer a selection of games that are not too far away from the games that you can find even on Stars and... Uh, 3C poker and other online poker site.
0: thanks let's uh go over some upcoming mixed cash games and tournaments and I'll start here in the U.S so cat mixed cash games uh mohegans so there are some new ones so stay tuned Mohegan Sun Connecticut has an 81608 study eight cash game rotation that runs I also saw a low stakes crazy pineapple game um, that ran at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut. Foxwoods in Connecticut, as well as Borgata in Atlantic city have seven card stud cash games. Uh, Foxwoods in Connecticut actually has a much better selection. They usually have a variety of uh, stakes running and Borgata Atlantic city, their low stakes, seven card stud game doesn't, Hardly seem to get going anymore. There is a list, but it doesn't seem to run. Um, but there is a regularly scheduled seven-card stud 2040 cash game at the Borgata Atlantic City that runs uh pretty much every weekend. Uh sort of moving across the country here. Uh Talking Stick in Arizona has a 2040 mix and a 4080 mix cash game. Also in Arizona. Lone Butte Poker Room in Chandler has a six twelve mixed cash game. I saw that running over the holidays. Uh, keep an eye out. I'm hoping that that keeps that it wasn't just for the holidays. Um, a lot of the poker rooms are definitely busier over the holidays, have more games running. But I did see that one in Lone Butte, uh, a six twelve mixed cash game running, and hopefully they keep that going. Moving further across the country, Resorts World in Las Vegas. Has a 4-8 eight, and 816 mixed cash game that runs regularly. And also in Las Vegas, the Orleans casino has a 4-8 and an 816 Omaha 8 or um, better game that runs fairly regularly. Uh, the South Point Casino, also in Las Vegas, has a 4-8 eight Omaha 8 or better and an 816 stud, 7-card uh, stud cash games that run. Uh, fairly regularly. The win also in Las Vegas. We're stuck in Las Vegas here for a lot of games um, because there's a lot lot that goes on. They have a, a looking at higher stakes of 48 mixed cash that runs. And I've seen uh, a 612 mixed cash game at the Aria Casino in Las Vegas that runs. And I believe I, I did see a much higher mixed cash game run at one of the casinos in Las Vegas over the holidays. But I I think it was Aria, but um, I'm not sure. That's the cash games. Now, let me just, let me go through the couple of tournaments that are going on. I'll start in Vegas and move back to the East Coast. So the Orleans in Las Vegas has a daily mixed cash game that rotates on a weekly basis. This is a new schedule. So keep your antenna up, take a look. So what I'm going to go over, I do mention the Orleans has daily mixed uh, tournaments that go through, go through, but this is a new schedule. They've started. This is January 1st new schedule. Mondays, a horse tournament, $240 buy-in with a 5K, five K $5,000 guarantee Wednesdays an 08 study $150 buy-in with a $4,000 guarantee Thursdays. There is a triple draw mix, $150 buy-in with a $4,000 guarantee. And that triple draw mix is ace to five, deuce to seven, as well as Badoogie, all triple draw games. And then Fridays, there is an Omaha eight or better $240 buy-in with a $5,000 guarantee. So, you know, that's new hopefully they keep that going throughout the entire year but um obviously they will um at their discretion make changes to that and all of those tournaments start at 305 p.m. so it's each of those days monday wednesday thursday and friday a different game but each week they continue so each monday is the horse each wednesday is the oa study etc let me go over a couple of other new events coming up in february first we have the Moneymaker Tour at the Palm Beach Kennel Club in West Palm Beach, Florida, running from February 15th through the 27th. And as far as mixed games, uh, they start right off with event number two on February fifteenth with a $500 buy-in horse tournament and a $20,000 guarantee at 11 a.m. So that sounds pretty awesome. A $500 horse tournament with a $20,000 guarantee. Then the next day, February 16th, there's a mixed PLO event, which is PLO, PLO 8, and Big O with a $500 buy in and a noon start time. February 17th, an Omaha 8 or better, $500 buy in with a noon start time. February 18th, a triple stud event, which includes stud, stud eight, and Raz with a $500 buy-in and a noon start time. And then on February 19th, there is a big O $10,000 guaranteed championship event with a $300 buy-in. February 20th, a five card PLO event with a $300 buy-in. And then there are some championship events after that, some additional championship events. On February 22nd, there's a $1,000 buy-in horse championship. February 23rd, a $1,000 buy-in 08 or better championship. And finally, on February 26th, a $1,000 buy-in big O championship event with a 2 p.m. start time. So all of the championship events have 2 p.m. start times. You can check MoneyMakerPT.com for additional information and details. Then lastly, here in the U.S., Robbie's Mixed Game Festival 7 is running from February 26th through the 29th at Resorts World Las Vegas. No additional information at this time, but more details to to be released soon. Follow Robbie at Card Player Life on Twitter or X, and Lifestyle dot com on the web. Martin, what events do we have for mixed game players in Europe?
1: Right, I'm going to keep this as short as I can because the it's already quite a lot building up for European. In terms of tournaments. I've already mentioned the main cash game um news, uh, that the with the game that hasn't started yet, started yet at Master Casino in Malta. Although having said that, um I'll just mention that I think there is a regular cash game in Blackpool, England, uh with a restricted selection of games and it's a dealer's choice game. If you are interested in going, give the casino a ring. I I really don't know what games are available or what names that what nights they run. But I understand there's a reasonably low stakes dealers choice cash game there, okay, turn to tournaments Kings of Talon runs from the twenty fourth of February to uh March the third. That has a nice selection of non no limit hold'em tournaments um range range from one hundred and fifty to mostly. 555, but there's also, if you in yellow, there's a 1100 euro buy in Omaha Championship, probably mid Omaha Championship. Um, 11th of March, moving on from there, 11th of March sees the start of the, uh, uh, the Norwegian Championships, and that starts with a mixed poker European Championship with, uh, I think it's. Um, about eight or ten mixed-game tournaments uh, each year. I, apologies, I didn't mention that on the last podcast, but I did mention it on previous podcasts at the back end of 2023. There are some really interesting games uh, there, ranging in buy-in from €110 Euros up to a high roll of freeze-out, which is €880. Euros. <laughs> most of the tournaments in that are around 250 to 350 euro buy-ins. Um, at the same time, there's the EPLOC, that's European Potlummit Omaha Championship Festival in Sofia, March the 13th, to 17th. Most All the games on that schedule are based around Potlummit Omaha, but they do include 4 and 5 card Omaha, Omaha High Low, Kirchhovel, Kirchhovel High Low. So it's... Uh, Oh, yeah, the buy-ins, again, they range from um, 150 to €300. Euros. So they're not not too expensive. And Sophia, I believe, not being there, but I believe it's quite a, a low cost of living town to visit. So that might be interesting to people that want to get the, the toes wet uh, in terms of uh, Mixed Games waters. Um, 22nd of April to the 2nd of May, there's the... ETOP E-TOP, PLO Festival, on a cruise ship, Costa Fascinosa, which will take you through um, a route starting in Italy and uh, going basically around um, mostly Spanish destinations, but also Lisbon in Portugal is uh, included on that. And the game's on there, there'll be tournaments of Omaha, Omaha Low, Sviton, Horse, and Seven Cloud Stud. I'm not sure of the buy-ins yet. a full festival schedule yet. 22nd to the 29th of April is the Malta Poker Festival at Port Masso Casino in Malta, which will include a horse tournament, a Gracie Pineapple tournament, and a Pot Omaha tournament. Buy-ins are, I think... Around 200 to 300 euros for all those, but I'm not 100% sure. Again, I haven't seen the festival, but that's the kind of history that Multi-Poker Festival have. Finally, the festival series, which has a number of uh, mixed games tournaments in its schedule every time it runs a stop, has three stops planned for this year. Uh, none of the schedules are out yet, but mark the dates. They are 31st of May to the 9th of June. The eight, that's in Rosvodov, the eighth of September to the fifteenth of September in Malta and 18th to the 24th of November in Bratislava. So plenty to look forward to from each game's players in Europe this year. And I expect more to be announced in the coming days.
0: We're off to a good start for twenty twenty four so far, as we talked a little bit about on um our last episode that we're we're certainly seeing more and more mixed games. Right, Martin?
1: Indeed, yeah. It, it's um, it's quite interesting to see how, how mixed games are expanding, and uh, hopefully that continues this year.
0: Yes, yeah, hopefully uh, we get to see more and more, and as time goes on, maybe there will be some all over for us to play. I certainly hope in my area there's, there's some more. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk about our recent gameplay. I haven't had... Uh, any chance to really play any mixed games recently. And I know this is a mixed game podcast, but I did play a Limit Odom tournament that I'll mention briefly here. And and, and I know all of you, I, I say briefly now, and I, I'm long-winded. So, but I, I did enter uh, the seniors event at the Borgata Winter Poker Open in Atlantic City, New Jersey. This was, as I said before, uh, on last episode, my first seniors event. It was a $350 buy-in with uh, a 25,000 starting chip stack and 30 minute levels. And I definitely played some of my best no limit hold'em as I have been actually for the best past uh, couple of months. So that said, (laughs) I didn't end up cashing, but I am extremely pleased with my play. And that's really all I can ever ask. Um, I made... The best decisions I could at the time, getting other stacks in with at least the current best hand and a potential redraw to a better hand, if not already having the shorter stack uh, drawing slim to none. Um, So I mentioned the 25K starting stack and by the first break, which was uh, two hours or so in, um, I was up to almost 60,000. So I more than doubled my starting stack before the first break. And, uh, it just kind of, just kind of went downhill from that for, from there for whatever reason, I I think part of it is I had a big stack and I started taking, I started gambling a little more, taking some more shots, figuring, let me either try to build this right, build the stack or bust. That's a, a lot of what I hear. Um, a lot of the strategy sort of from some more of the experts is, you know you're really trying to you know you're trying to get to the money obviously and you're trying to really win the tournament and so uh, I started to gamble a little more and even during that gambling stage that's where I was getting shorter stacks in and they ended up drawing out on me in a number of pots and it doesn't take too many my stack wasn't huge but um, you figure I had about 60k and you know I got it in with with a couple of stacks with you know between 10 and 20k and I kind of kind of just dropped from there. And then I got moved to a different table, you know, with all new players and had to basically start, you know, my observational skills all over again, as we mentioned during the strategy section of this podcast, observation is a big key. So I I went to that table with a very short stack. um, And uh, that was, that was kind of the end, but I'm happy with how I played and that's all I hope for win or lose is to play the best I can. And a couple of bonuses, you know, there's a lot of folks at, the Borgata Winter Poker Open. Uh, I got to see Tiffany Michelle, who happened to be sitting at a table with a traveling dealer who was dealing um, named Ellen Freed. Her her last name spelled fried, but I think it's Ellen Freed, whom I met during that trip and who actually knows Alan Kessler. So shout out to uh, Tiffany Michelle, who has been posting a lot. Uh, with her time at the Borgata Winter Poker Open, and then uh, traveling dealer Ellen, who also deals at the WSOP, and uh, Alan Kessler will shout out to him once again. Martin, why don't you tell us about your recent mixed game play recently?
1: Well, um, I haven't played much at all since we like, recorded the last podcast. I'm, In fact, the only poker I've played was the... Um, Weekly Sviton special tournament. I played once in uh, Potomaso Casino Casino in Malta. And for the third time in a row, nobody managed to bust me from that tournament. So uh, it was actually because we we did a three-way chop. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, basically three of us that play regularly there agreed. We uh, were ready to go home and go to bed and... uh, Maybe that's a hint that maybe I should be trying some seniors tournaments but uh, nevertheless um, it was a as always an enjoyable experience and came out on top again in uh, smitten Special which is my game so I should come out on top in that one more often than uh, other, other guests. Um, yeah, just a quick, quick mention about chops by the way. It, I've, I've got a Pretty. um, I've not heard anybody mention this kind of attitude towards chops. I'm happy to always always happy to chop a tournament when I'm playing with people that are recreational players. One of the things I have, one of my mantras is that we should make people like they want to come play poker, and the the more that you. Accommodate their kind of uh, wishes in doing things like chops. Um, the more they'll keep coming, and you know, how much difference does it make to you? Well, to me anyway, it makes not, not much difference to my to my life to 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 hold out for an extra um, an extra payout in these tournaments. But then, when I if I'm in a, an international tournament and I'm up against uh, professionals. Again, really, I'm not usually worried about whether I come first or third or seventh. If I'm at a final table there, I won't agree a chop with all the pros um, because I want to enjoy testing myself against all these players. Um, So how how are you with John?
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting what, what you said there. As far as chopping, I, on so I only really have experience um, my own experience uh, online um, getting to that the end stage of a tournament um, where there's some chopping potential, and most of the times I'm willing to chop if if everyone else is I'm willing to chop as well uh, like in the same fashion that you mentioned, these aren't big buy-ins that I'm in. There's not a ton of money, you know, between first and say third or fourth or something like that. And uh, the time spent, usually the ones that I'm playing online, they're, they're already, like you mentioned with your uh, play there, it's late into the night already, you know, past midnight and, you know, for another 20 or $30, it's just to sit there for, and battle it out um, isn't necessarily worth it. But again, I have no problem doing that. If the other folks, uh, don't want to chop, I'll, I'll gladly play, play it out to, uh, yeah. to try to win it. Cause there is nothing like winning, but, uh, but yeah, That's if it's true. a chop to save, <laughs> to save, to save a lot of time and it's not a big tournament with a lot of money up top and, you know, a, a medal, for example, a bracelet or a ring or something, um, I'll have no problem chopping, but if, you know, obviously, you know when when there's a little more up top and and something, some championship ring or something, then it's uh, you know time to time to go to the death,
1: <laughs> so yeah, to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's 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 kind of a fun situation to try to negotiate your way around a a tougher field, and you know, like I say. Um, The sort of dailies that the casinos run, and the weekly tournaments the casinos run a lot lot more recreational players there that just turn up to enjoy themselves. And uh, the last thing you want is to frighten them away because we want to keep the game keep the game alive. So uh, that's that's kind of my philosophy on that.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah, it's been. I mean, I used to cash a lot of hold'em tournaments years ago. Um, But of course, recently I've gotten into mixed games a lot more um, and I'm learning those. So I haven't been in the end stages of live mixed game tournaments, um, although I played quite a few mixed game tournaments at the WSOP. But I do agree with you as well on the fact that if, you know, so here's the the other piece of the other side of the coin. And that is you don't get to play shorthanded a lot necessarily. And yeah. If you end up in a big spot, you do want to have some of that experience playing two or three, you know, four-handed, three-handed, heads up. And if you're chopping all the time, you know, before it comes to that, you're you're never going to get heads up and you will will never have that experience um for when you are in a big spot. So there is that to side of it to think about as well.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. That's that's the one caveat that I have uh uh that I should recognise. Um, you do need to. It is useful to have some experience when you when you eventually get into that kind of a spot. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that that's that that does conflict with uh, with with my uh, with my approach. But nevertheless, that, that's that's the way I go. That's that's the way I decide things. I, I, I actually you mentioned online. Um, I used to chop online. I don't these days. Uh, if if I, I don't play many tournaments online, but when I do get um, deep, I I never click that button. I always play it out. So I guess that's where I get my practice, shorthanded.
0: Yeah, I I do find uh, I mentioned Poker Stars is where I have most of my um, end and tournament end game experience uh, for mixed games, and I do find that people don't seem the other players do not seem, at least generally, in the the Pennsylvania market, and I, I think this as well for New Jersey. I, I've been in the end game there as well a number of times, and it seems that folks do not want to chop when it's say they wait till three handed. I mean, that's usually where the biggest payouts are, and nobody really you can't get the the entire table beyond usually three handed um, in my experience. To agree to a chop, even even four, I see there's always a holdout, and then once it gets down to three, all of a sudden, um, a lot of times, the you know all the check boxes will fill in, and you'll go mm-hmm. at least have a discussion mm-hmm. about a chop. If you want to learn more about mixed games, Martin and I have each written a book. Head over to Amazon for my book, Poker All the Games, a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games. There you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of twenty-three mixed poker games, as well as other chapters on why mixed games provide a better edge than hold'em and other things like health and wellness, um, which are important not only in life but also in playing this game of poker. Martin, why don't you tell us about your ebook?
1: Yeah, my ebook is called Pot Limits Written Special. It's also available on Amazon. It's about one specific game. It's a European version of Draw Omaha. Uh, it takes you right through from the very basic how to deal and play the game, what the rules are, through the starting hands, every different type of starting hand, all the odds for completing your hands, both the draw hand and the Omaha hand. It takes you through the pre flop, flop, draw, turn, and river stages. It also gives you a quiz section near the end, which can uh, question you, your uh, awareness of how well you've learned how to play the different betting rounds and how to decide which cards to draw. And then there's a, there's a section at the very end which goes through a few other variations of Switten and Special or Dromaha that I had played at, at that point when I would written the book. And I'm also working on the hard copy no ETA on that at the moment, but uh, that is a work in progress.
0: You can follow me on Twitter at P-O-K-R, all the games. It's poker, at poker, all the games, but there's no E in poker because it's too many letters for Twitter. Or And or subscribe at pokerchannel.substack.com. Dot com, and when you see our um, on Twitter, we post these uh, episodes, and or if you go to uh, Substack and subscribe there, uh, hit the like button for us. Send a subscribe um, to pokerchannel.substack.com, and you can also follow Martin at. Go ahead, Martin.
1: Okay, my handle is on both Twitter and Substack is poker for leisure or poker for leisure, p o k e r. The number four, L-E-I-S-U-R-E. So on Twitter, it's poker for le- at Poker for leisure. And on Substack, it's pokerforleisure.substack.com.
0: Well, that's all for episode 43, Anaconda. Join us again in three weeks for episode 44, where we will teach you how to play Chawaha. Thank you for listening to Poker, All the Games. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker, All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and
1: scoop as many pots as you can.